0: Oh, she's done it. Brilliantly executed. Incredible stuff. The whole family are watching on in anticipation and yes, there's the final nail in the chicken coop. Dad's been promising to build for a decade and don't the kids just love it.
1: Coming in for the final turn, he's gone to the left, a little bit to the right, dodged the hill's voice,
0: grass clippings flying in his way. Precision mowing doesn't get any better than that. They've really set their sights high for this one. A pizza oven, water feature and a new deck all by the end of lockdown but is it too much too soon only time will tell he's a do-it-yourself legend in the making welcome to the sport of gardening for cyclone tools built to last a lifetime trojan tools built tough only at bunnings warehouse and red energy owned by snowy hydro a renewable energy leader here's your host dale vine and jane Neal.
2: And thanks so much for joining us on the sport of gardening. Whether you're listening via podcast or whether you are tuning in via SEN or SEN Track right around Australia, we are broadcasting from chilly Melbourne. Yes, winter is well and truly here. But thinking of all our listeners up in tropical areas like Atherton and even Wollongong, I mean, wouldn't mind a little uh, trip up there, Dale. How yeah, are you this week? Send
3: us <laughs> down some sun. No, uh, I'm good, Jane. I. As you said, I've been out there in the elements every day and uh, still braving shorts at this. At this point of winter, uh, but uh, what, it what
2: with tradies? Who is it like? Some sign of I am more of a man uh, if I can actually never wear pants?
3: No, I sort of. For me, it literally is the laziness of all my pants for work are, are tucked away at the back of my <laughs> wardrobe <laughs> shelf, and the and the shorts have been at the forefront. So I just sort of get up in the dark and grab what's closest, <laughs> and it's just been shorts. So I <laughs> oh, will get there eventually. The socks have just been getting woolier and woolier and longer. So um, eventually, I'll have either socks that go up to where my shorts are or a pair of pants to cover the rest of the legs.
2: You might as well just wear stockings, Dale. Yeah, well, if it was acceptable, um, you know. <laughs> no one would care. Hey, what sort of jobs have you been doing lately? I mean, it's the time of year where I guess a lot of the more structural stuff gets done. Yep. you not necessarily doing as much planting in the middle of winter. No,
3: I um, I do have a few um, past projects that I still maintain every now and then that I have um, gotten back in there and, and a few of them are, are big places that have... Um, bookings for, say, weddings and things like that because they can hold a lot of people. So they're past jobs that I've designed and constructed myself. So for some of those, I sort of try and get back there just after all the autumn leaves have fallen uh, through winter and trim back some of the big trees as well. So I've been in through that this week and... um, Taken out probably three trailer loads of um, tree branches that I've I've cut right down. Um, I've also just finished a a friend's driveway as well, which was some beautiful bluestone crazy pave, um, which looked really good. Uh, I don't know when I'll get back there to seal it because we're going to need a few days in a row of um, sunny weather, so... Yeah, all sorts of things on at the moment, Jane, which is great.
2: Now, when you was talking about wedding gardens, yep. can you imagine how busy it is going to be in the next few months when spring hits? All of those people who couldn't get yeah. married during lockdown are now going, find me a garden, find me somewhere beautiful to yep. get married. We're doing it in September.
3: It, it might be the <laughs> uh, the year of eloping, I reckon, Jane, because a lot of them <laughs> have had to cancel their uh, wedding venues and... Uh, all those sort of things. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think the accommodation and the and the venues are gonna cope with the influx of of people that missed out trying to book in again for their weddings.
2: Yes, and there'll be lots of gardeners busily trying to make sure everything oh, looks picture perfect. I reckon. Hey, coming up on the show today, we're gonna to have a tool review from Dale. Each week we send him home with a cyclone or a Trojan tool so yep. he can test them out. We're also gonna talk watering systems because at this time of year, if you are blessed to have an abundant supply of rainwater falling Mm. from the sky for free, you'd be an idiot not to make use of it, wouldn't you, Dale?
3: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it it is. It's nature's free resource at the moment that, uh, well, the stuff that comes off our gutters is anyway. Um, So, yeah, why not use it?
2: We're going to refer to Dale's book for some of the uh, tips on that. We're also going to talk permaculture. It's one of those words that you hear a lot more about these days. You know, it's a permaculture garden or I'm a permy, you know, a member of a permaculture (laughs) guild. There's a lot of people uh, using the principles of permaculture to design their homes, to design their gardens, and perhaps even we'll see it uh, used to design our cities and our towns. So we're going to talk to Ben Shaw from Ben Shaw Permaculture and find out... Some of the basic principles are about permaculture, but today, Dale, we have a little check in with someone who I think is going to be very close to your heart. Yes, Mr. Kevin Sheedy, of course, an incredible career. He played for Richmond in the 60s and the 70s, he coached Essendon and actually took that club, your club, Dale, mm. to four premierships. He's an AFL Hall of Famer. Oh, it's a pleasure to have Kevin Sheedy on the show, and here's just a little reminder about some of his work.
4: Here's a hard game, this one. Sheedy
0: now. Also, Clay, have a look at Sheedy, number 10. He's been kicking uh, some container around. He's like a kid with a new tie. Look at him. Now, there's enthusiasm for you. Well done, Tigers. Kevin Sheedy. <laughs>
2: Enjoy. Enjoy. I'm sorry.
3: 20 years old and the premise is really good. In years to come, they'll look back on this one and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll realise how special it was.
2: A few of the memorable moments from Kevin Sheedy's career there, that audio, thanks to AFL.com.au. And, Dale, I saw your face light up when I mentioned that we would have one of the greats of his club with us. So
3: We've been blessed, Jane. We've had a lot of <laughs> Bombers uh, connections on the show, so I'm a very happy man.
2: Did you know that Kevin Sheedy was a gardener, Dale? Kevin, welcome to the show. How are you? all gardening has been uh, pretty special right at the moment with the
4: COVID-19 and spending a bit of time around home so it's been really good to get out in it and uh, enjoy myself
2: how much time do you actually spend in the garden Kevin because you must have people like us ringing for interviews and comment and you know everyone's tried to get stories out of the football season when it wasn't in season when it wasn't playing so have you been busy doing media things or have you had lots of time just to get into that garden
4: No, well, in in all honesty, it's a bit of both. I just have a little uh, media office in the garden, and uh, you just put your phone there and away you go. And if you have a Zoom session, you either go inside and do it in the library if it's raining or um, you just stay outside in the garden and have a bit of fun out there. So it's all fun.
3: It's a good-sounding office. (laughs) Mate, we've uh, heard a rumour that you've got a a couple of roses. Do you you like your roses? And and you've got at least uh, more than five, haven't you?
4: Oh, yes, I've got a lot more than five. (laughs) But I've probably got family near 100, yeah. yeah.
3: 100 rises. uh, wowee.
4: And I'll be putting another whole big bed in soon because I've had to cut down a few trees, so just to balance up the property. So I'll probably put another thirty in soon.
3: Wow.
2: So when you say 100, Kevin, is that 100 varieties or do you um, plant, mass plant some varieties?
4: No, I'll have the icebergs there in the front and we've got some beautiful... uh, they're colourful. I love, I love a lot of colour, obviously. But um, when you're trying to plan a garden, it's, uh, it's the mood you're in, you know, the mood you're in, and then sometimes you're to get it right. But I've uh, got a lot of different varieties. Uh, don't ask me all the names of them, but uh, <laughs> your basic, your basic, uh, basic uh, iceberg gives you a, a lift with a background of different colours, you know. So I've got a lot, I'll
3: probably have about 50 icebergs in. Yep, yeah, my mum's two. probably got 20 or so up and down her driveway as well, which is a bit of yeah, a rural yeah. property. So, yeah, they're, they're rippers, mate. They look nice when they're all blooming together.
4: But I've got um, I got a few pathways and that I'm working on at the moment, which is coming out really well. Let's put my veggie garden in. So
2: there you go. There you go. What are you hoping to grow Great. in the veggie garden? What's uh, one of your favourite winter vegetables, Kevin? Oh, we've got
4: our collies and cabbages in now and um, carrots. And uh, I love beetroot. I'm a big beetroot fan. We put some potatoes in and let the grandkids enjoy digging them out. So that's the fun of it all. I did it with my own kids when I was uh, having my own family. And, of course, um, our kids always remember, you know, digging out potatoes and and getting uh, eggs out of chook pens. So why not? Why not let your grandkids have a bit of fun?
3: Beautiful.
2: And where does all this come from, Kevin? Where did you grow up? Was gardening a part of your family? Is it something you think is in your blood? Uh, my
4: grandparents are uh, country people. My mum and dad come to live in the city. So every time we went to see our, our rallies up the country, um, it was just, you know, we just enjoyed having fun, getting on tractors and, and that. But I grew up in South Yarra, not far from the Botanic Garden, so that's been my second home. That, that and the MCG, I split split most yeah. of my time between the MCG and the, and the Botanic Gardens most
1: of my
3: life. So done plenty of strolls through both. You might not know the names, Kevin, but what's uh, what's your favourite coloured rose that you enjoy?
4: Uh, I, like, I love roses that give you a beautiful odour.
3: Okay. Yeah, yep. Riff,
4: smell, and, um, so if I go to um, I go the Warrandyte Nursery and buy my, a lot of my plants there, and so in the end uh, I might just say, tell us what you've got. They said, well, you'll love this one you'll love that one. So if I had my time again and knew how much I'd end up loving doing it, I would have written every plant down, every tree down Hmm. and put on the property. But you don't do that, so you're silly. No, that's true. In my next life, I'll do it better.
3: We spoke to the boys a couple of um, shows ago, Kevin, from um, Flemington who are in charge of pruning all the roses there and getting them blooming on time right for the Melbourne Cup and the races. So they've got a big task ahead of them. Uh, and they said that 1st of June used, used to be their time that they'd start all their pruning um, to have Correct. those buds ready uh, just on time for um, the Melbourne Cup. But they said it's all sort of changed a little bit now and it's probably thrown off about a couple of weeks. So um, you, you wouldn't be far off starting the, the pruning um, now, would you, mate?
4: Late June. Yep. Late June, um, I get a guy to come and help me with that. They've been very good. I love the race, obviously, to go to Flemington, and I really admire what the work that these people do. And I was only in the Botanic Gardens three days ago, and um, they're incredible people, just going to work every day. They they work in heaven. I think it's the best property. I I think it's the best property. Well, the Shrine, I love the Shrine. I love the Botanic Gardens, I love the MCG. I tell everybody when they come to Melbourne from Sydney, when I went up to the coach up there, if you come to Melbourne, you must go to those properties.
2: Now, Kevin, you mentioned you've got grandkids. Is that something you really enjoyed, bringing them into the garden? You sort of spoke about yourself with your grandparents. Do you think that's something that maybe if people are listening going, oh, I can't be bothered, it's all too much hard work, I'll just go to the botanic gardens. Do you think we should encourage people to get into gardening, especially when they've got younger kids around?
4: Oh, I do because, I mean... To me, it's it keeps you close to the earth. Bit of fun, bit of dirt in your hands and fingernails. Never hurts. You get scratched by a, 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 yeah.
3: all those sorts of
4: things. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think to myself that um, I've got no doubt it's one of the best things I've done to to give me just the relaxation. And if you want to put some music on while you're out there and throwing a red wine on a table, then you're even getting better.
3: <laughs> it's about, the only thing plants don't do for you is play songs, but the, I suppose they can attract birds and um, bees that can make a nice sound for you out there. So, no, I'm with you, mate. I sort of, and I'm glad you said that because I, uh, my passion for the outdoors and gardening came from uh, my mum's old man, old Frank Lonigan, and he was an avid gardener. And, and whenever we went to visit the, the rallos and, um, nan and nan and grandpa, he'd be always out there watering by hand or weeding by hand and just doing everything the hard way, but that's because he loved being out there. So um, that's that's where our kids got introduced to gardening and uh, it was one of those grandparent-grandchildren sort of connections that we now treasure since he's been gone, yeah.
4: Well, you get out there, I was up there in the garden at 7 this morning, it's pretty cold, Like yep. Started to sort of sail over here at daylight, hmm. and uh, you spend two hours you can just before you go to work. I'm in town right now at the Southern Cross station, say, and uh, you know, to me, it was just getting two hours in before I got out of the property and got in to do some meetings here in the city. So, and I'm heading back in there later today, and um, I just think it's just peaceful. You know, the flowers don't argue with you, so it's beautiful. And and, and every time you do something, you think, oh, I could have done a little bit better, I'll reshape I'll that, whatever it is. And then, of course, um, when you've got your bins, you've got to keep looking after them. And <laughs> i got mates that uh, bring in a couple of bags of uh, horse dung every now and then, which is perfect. <laughs> so, um, if you're in the country, don't waste horse manure. Nah. <laughs> yeah, if I go and see my horses at the trainers, I always bring a few bags of cats on the going
3: boys up and get Well, yeah. if, if I see you coming out of Flemington this spring, mate, and you're carrying a couple of bags under each arm, <laughs> I'll know what's going on.
4: Well, if I actually take a spade, you know I'm digging some of those roses there.
3: But
2: anyway, oh, no yeah. hey, Kevin, do you actually pick the blooms, or are they more just in situation in the garden, or do you get to that point where you can pick a beautiful bouquet of roses and wander down the street and hand them out to the ladies, or or is it just for enjoying <laughs> in the garden? <laughs>
4: There's no way, no, my wife will let a rose out of the house. Oh! She just gets them and they are just placed in every room in our house. So we've had a we had a great year this year, and only are just finishing now. So we've been blessed this year. Yeah. Um, but one day I walked in and she had picked 30 roses and put them um, on the rounds of people up for uh, uh, my, my daughter and they came up with the grandkids and and um, just put a three vases of roses out of the garden there and how lovely is that
3: bloody how what do you do on valentine's day mate your house would look like valentine's <laughs> day every day
4: no that was only this one day yeah <laughs> doesn't happen every day <laughs>
2: <laughs> and with footy back are you a busy man doing that or will there still be plenty of time to get into the garden
4: well look, the great thing is i'm not I, i'm sort of out working at esternon when i can when they need me and um but, you know, any other three days or four days or on the weekends, um, I'll, I'll be enjoying myself in the garden, yeah. So if I do three days at the Bombers and, and any other stuff I have to work sometimes at, at, uh, for companies in AFL and public speaking, uh, my, my, my three times in the garden.
2: Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for sharing a little insight. I now have a picture of you not only scooping up your own horse poo, mm-hmm. but of course, uh, surrounded by roses in the house and the garden as well. Kevin Sheedy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Sport of Gardening. Thank you. No worries. it's wonderful to be on your show. Just a little bit exciting, Dale, to have Kevin Sheedy, the yeah. Kevin Sheedy on the show. Did you have any idea he was a rose man?
3: I did not, no. And... Um he couldn't get any bigger in our household, Jane, because my mum's a, a Tigers supporter, so she loves him. Of course, back in uh, the 60s. And then yep. there's the the Bombers connection at home and, and now the gardening connection. So Kevin's part of the family now. <laughs>
2: I so would love to see some pictures of his backyard. We'll have to find out if we've got any, any connections on Instagram. We can see a few shots of those incredible roses. Hey, still to come, we are going to discuss permaculture. It's a word you might have heard associated with gardening. It seems to be becoming much more popular these days. But if you have no idea what permaculture is... We're going to fill you in because we're going to chat with an expert, Ben Shaw, from Ben Shaw Permaculture. We're also going to talk watering with Dale. We've Mm. got his book with a a great little chapter I've been perusing, Dale, about how to make the most of the water that falls on your property. Plus, we have another tool review thanks to Trojan. Tools built tough, available at Bunnings Warehouse. And, of course, thanks to Cyclone Tools for all their support of the sport of gardening.
0: You're listening to the sport of gardening for cyclone tools built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable
2: energy leader. Journalism icons Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin join forces in Don't Shoot the Messenger. What I can't abide are politicians who receive a Queen's birthday honour just because they did their job of being a politician. Sport, food, life, news. I think I have become a lot more subtle and thoughtful because I probably didn't always think before I spoke in the past, although sometimes I still... Have foot and mouth disease. And you know, I am used to myself. I'm very happy. Don't shoot the messenger podcast. Well, immediately there was a bit of an Adam Goods backlash. Mm, I mean, interesting? and it wasn't as bad as Adam Goods, but it was like, oh, who does he think he is? I mean, you know, get over yourself, Chad. Big Brother is back. I know how you oh, love a reality right television. Back shock. at your girlfriend.
0: Oh. God. Channel 7, it was bad 20 years ago when I was on channel 10. It's bad now. It's bad.
2: Don't shoot the messenger. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131-806 for Real Aussie Energy.
0: Welcome back to the sport of gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough, only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader.
2: And even though sport is back, we are still here. But it is fantastic to see AFL back in action, NRL racing happening right around the country and plenty of people actually getting out and doing a little bit of training. I know my stepkids are back on the footy field only once a week to do training. So it's an exciting time, Dale, isn't it?
3: Yeah, (laughs) as soon as you can socialise and and do what you love, it's it's going to make everyone feel a bit better for sure.
2: Now, I have always been a fan of having a rainwater tank yep. in a property, right? So I grew up on five acres in the Adelaide Hills and yep. that rainwater tank... Was really our life source. I could not stand the taste of the foul drinking yeah. water that you get down the other end of the Murray.
3: Yeah. How, <laughs> so, how many litres you reckon that one was? Jane? Oh, it was
2: only small because it was only for our drinking water. So, oh, three hundred or uh, something. A little tin. Oh, that's
3: tiny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm you not mean sure. might be three thousand.
2: <laughs> it wasn't huge, but I really did despise the taste of any other water except for that beautiful rainwater. Yep. So in your book, Dale, I noticed that you've actually got a whole chapter on using water in your garden. And of course, we're talking about Dale's book, Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide, Transform Your Garden on Any Budget. It's available in all good bookstores. Why was water harvesting such a focus for you when you wrote the book? Uh,
3: Well, I think I was just sort of putting in a a lot of points and um, tricks and tips, obviously, to um, save your money. And um, I mean, water that we get through our taps, obviously, you've got to pay for. So if you've got irrigation systems set up, come on automatically um, that are using mains water, then that's water that you're going to end up Paying money to use. So um, we get a lot of rain, we get a lot of water that um, comes off our roofs that we still don't have to pay for. Um, God, we'd be in trouble if the council started charging us for <laughs> collecting rainwater out of our. Um, don't give them
2: any ideas. I know,
3: but um, at this point in, in, in time, we, uh, we get all that for free. So why not put a tank attached to your guttering and collect all that precious resource and um, use it in your garden beds for free?
2: So there's people building new homes, of course, at the moment, and we've seen the government also, you know, handing out some uh, cash to start doing renovations yes. as we recover from COVID-19. Is it tricky to try and get in a water collecting system into a house that already exists?
3: Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, they've got, um, they've got plenty of great slimline tank designs these days that can fit in, in most um, areas. And most boundaries are, I mean, even the, the smallest access boundaries that are close to a house, um, you know, are still within uh, 900 to 1,200 uh, mil away from the house exterior. So, um, yeah, there's definitely room to sit, uh, sit some sort of tank in there and collect a bit of water, if, if not a lot. So, um, yeah, I always think there's there's a spot for it. And, um, yeah, if you go and check out some of the tank ranges, I'm sure one will suit your needs.
2: So, are most people opting for water that they might just drink or that they might use on the garden, or do you also have people who want to actually integrate it and use it, say, to flush the toilet?
3: no, there is yeah if you 're definitely building a house from scratch there's a lot more of incorporating their water collection for use in in toilet flushing and and things throughout the house as well now, so which is fantastic and and there's a lot of cool um design elements as as well with these properties especially the ones that are going for like um, sustainable ratings there's a lot of water bladders that can fit now underneath your house in oh a, in so a,
2: not like a hard tank
3: no so there's bladders like a waterbed yeah almost <laughs> yeah that, that can sort of sit even ones that sit between sort of footings and um, posts that hold up your house so they're, they're nice and narrow and you can fit a lot of them in there And yeah, you don't need to see them. They're they're sort of sitting under your house, storing a lot of water. And as you said before, they're not taking up any space that you would be using. So um, there's heaps of options now. And they're really cool too, because the more water you can store, the more you can obviously use for free.
2: Do you have to be careful about the roof? Like if you put in a brand new tank for someone, okay, we'll whack it down the side, nice and slimline, attach all the, like, what if there's a dead possum in the oh. roof or like do you have to be careful that the water washing down isn't actually going to be slightly
3: blue? well if you were drinking it yeah you'd have to put in a few more measures i'd I'd assume so but if you're just doing it for your your gardening purposes say to store water to actually used for irrigation or on your veggie beds and stuff. I mean, it's it's not going to be great, but it's not going to do anything that's going to um, poison you or, yeah. or make you sick. So, But yeah, I, I don't know too many possums that have ended up in gutters, but um, more so inside your roof of your house is where they yeah. like to go, where it's nice and insulated. And
2: It's just that's... my gutters that are full of possum yeah. poo that oh, I'm probably right, worried okay. about. Okay,
3: yeah, if <laughs> I see where you're getting.
2: Now, I actually put a rainwater tank in when I bought my little cottage in Ballarat. Yep. Didn't actually think about the logistics. Yeah, Got the tank there, then had to call six very large muscly friends to come and help me lift it over the back fence. Yeah. Because we hadn't really kind of thought about the fact it wouldn't fit through a gate. Uh couldn't lift it, so we demolished the back fence to get it into the backyard. Yeah. Pretty dumb planning, yeah? Well, yeah, well (laughs)
3: fence most fence panels are pretty easy to take out a section and, and just cut through the the um timber and then screw it back on but yeah it's a it's something you got to think about obviously it's a lot of the delivery places sometimes still have a a um, crane that obviously gets them off the truck that it comes on. So they can probably chuck it over your fence for you if it's within reach of their little crane. So
2: Now, I don't actually have a pump on this one, so yep. I'm now faced with the fact that it's kind of got a dribble on it. It will just do the lawn if I put a soaker hose on. But yep. do you have to sort of know about flow rates and pumps? And if you're going to run a fairly big watering system from a tank, you're probably going to need some advice.
3: Yeah, so yeah, it's best to get in your landscaper or, or plumber as well. Um, probably plumber first, actually, if you're if you're dealing with the rainwater tanks. But um, yeah, there's a lot of um, ways that they can um, make these things work these days. So if you go into the extreme where you're you're not just using a, a rainwater tank. Um, with collected water, gravity fed out of the tank for filling up a watering can or um, low pressure out of a hose to water something like your lawn or your, or your veggies, then, yeah, you're going to need to um, hook up a pump that's going to increase the pressure and, and push out the flow a lot more for a irrigation system or something like that. So, um, And when you get to that stage, um, the, the plumbers can obviously um, hook up a lot more systems to that pump that if you ever run out of water um, from your... Um, collection source in your in your tank, they can then kick in a, a mains water supply as well. So your irrigation never stops um, and your plants don't ever go through a period where they're without water. So um, it can get pretty technical. So if you're going to get to that point where you're using a pump to pr- pump the water out, then yeah, call your plumber.
2: Definitely. And get someone like Dale to plan things a little bit ahead mm. <laughs> instead of having to knock down fences like I did. And you are on the Sport of Gardening. Of course, we are here thanks to Cyclone Tools. They make premium gardening products and have been the choice of garden landscapers for over 100 years. And in just a moment, we are going to uh, get another tool review from Dale. He's got this incredible collection of tools. You're putting them all to the test, aren't you, Dale?
3: <laughs> I am, yeah. it's um, It's been a funny one walking down South Melbourne streets with um, axes and things from the <laughs> studio when they bring in some new tools, but I look like a crazy man walking down the street.
2: I just want you to bring back that extra wide cyclone rake that you had last week. I will, Jane. I, I need it in my garden, Dale.
3: Yeah, we can go one week on, one one week off system.
2: Oh, tool sharing. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's a very popular thing these days. I've just noticed um, on some of my social media networks yeah. that tool libraries are becoming a thing. Okay. Have you ever heard of a tool library? Uh,
3: it makes sense. I haven't heard of it, but uh, I can see where they're getting at because a lot of it does cost a lot of money to add all these tools to someone's collection. So if you can share something that you uh, already own with somebody else that has something else you could use, then it makes sense.
2: Yeah, get the quality Cyclone and Trojan and yeah. you can share it with the neighbourhood. If you'd like to ask Dale a question as well, make sure you send us an email, feedback at sportivegardening.com.au. We've got another listener question for Dale this week and you can also check out Dale's Instagram at Viney D, and I'm sure he won't mind if you ask a question there. Up in just a moment, we're going to talk permaculture.
0: You're listening to the sport of gardening for cyclone tools built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. We've been waiting and now it's back. The AFL Record, thanks to Karcher. The expanded print edition is available in newsagents across Victoria at the regular regular price of $5. Covering all nine games in one issue, get all important team and playlists, club stats and match previews. Plus, plus. enjoy regular features like the Red Energy Footy Quiz, Fantasy Football and The Answer Man with leading stats experts. The AFL record, it's backed back. Just $5 from your local newsagents. Welcome back to the sport of gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools Built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader.
2: Yes, you are with us on the sport of gardening and fantastic to see sport return. Of course, we've had AFL, NRL is back, there's racing around Australia and you get that feeling that things are almost returning to some form of new normal. Now, Dale, how much do you know about permaculture? I'll admit I've done some courses. Hung out with some permaculture people, but a lot of people go, "What are you? What is this whole concept of gardening?" So, so what do you know?
3: Oh, I'm pretty brief on it, Jane. I know that it's to do with uh, the veggie patch and trying to, I guess, live off what's out there, basically. So that's, I think, that's the main sort of thing. Using using (laughs) everything out there from worms to food and. Productivity, so yeah.
2: well. I think we need an expert here. We have Ben Shaw from Ben Shaw Permaculture on the line. He's a Geelong boy, but you two have uh, not actually met in person yet. Thanks for joining us on the Sport of Gardening, Ben. Oh, thanks for having it,
3: Ben. I just stumbled my way through what a permaculture <laughs> explanation it would be, mate. But what, what 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 is it actually, mate?
1: Oh well, I don't know if we've got the time to delve into exactly what it is, but I think you know a lot of people get introduced to permaculture through gardening um, and I was no different to that but I think from a broader sort of perspective it's looking at ways to design you know a big word in, in permaculture design like I did a permaculture design course about 10 years ago and you know we can design things whether it's our veggie gardens or our houses or our public transport systems like yeah people often think about permaculture as gardens but it's it's actually how we can apply it to Things we do in, in our everyday lives. So I don't know if I've given you a, a good little explanation there, but it's it's using lots of different uh, principles and techniques to design things better so we have a better sustainable world.
2: I always remember when I did a weekend course with the Ballarat Permaculture Guild, a very thriving little uh, permaculture group down in Ballarat, that one of the things that struck me was how stupidly I had laid out my garden. Because a a concept is that, well, the things you're going to use the most should be the closest to you. So you're probably not going to cross the backyard down the back to the shed Around the fence to get your herbs to put on your dinner, are you Ben? If you want to use your herbs fresh in your cooking all the time, put them near the back steps.
1: That's right, and you know often the veggie veggie patch traditionally has been sort of hidden down the, the back end of the of the of the block, and you know it might have been underneath a gum tree, and people might have been scratching their head, going, oh, the veggie garden's no good; it, it's not working that well." But um, yeah, permaculture is a great. Sort of way to look at your whole garden design, and it's not even just you know the aspect and sun. It's also you know where's where are we getting our water from? So it's how to capture water off your roof to you know water your veggies and, and get some water for your chickens. And all you know it's all integrated. So there's there's a lot of thought behind how how you can set up a set up your house and your garden.
2: And Ben, can you do it on a small scale if you've got like just a, a little backyard or maybe even just some of those plants on the balcony? And can you do it on a large scale? I hear a lot of people talking about planting food forests as part of designing a bigger permaculture block.
1: Yeah, I think that's the beauty of permaculture. Is you can, you know, you can use the principles, you know, from a smaller, you know, you might might only have a, a little backyard or even a, a balcony, but you can still actually um, be growing herbs or lettuces, and you can actually also instead of growing out your your waste, um, your kitchen scraps into the into the bin, you can actually have a little worm farm as opposed to chooks if you've got a bit more room. So there's so many ways that you can apply it to your everyday life. That's the beauty of beauty of permaculture. It's not, and and I think we're seeing more broader uh, uses of it on a on a larger scale as well now.
3: Do you reckon city councils and stuff are going to get into um, hiring an expert in permaculture just for set-out purposes and things? Um, A lot of them, the Geelong one particularly, as you'd know, are are trying to introduce greenery and things into um, the city centre. So do you think that would be something they've sort of contemplated?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's definitely like I can only speak from my experience, but I've been working with uh, the Surf Coast Shire and also... Working within schools as well, and permaculture—you know—it's not a foreign word anymore. It's—you um, know—people pe- are looking for solutions to a whole range of things, and permaculture's, I think, got a lot of the answers. Um, whether it be um, how we look at our public transport, how we look at our urban spaces, uh, how do we get more more locally grown food? Um, you know, there's all these different issues. Um, so I think permaculture can sort of address a lot of these things it's not so much on the fringe now i think things are changing like that i don't know if you guys have seen that the film 2040 that's a great film can provide some solutions um to climate change and one of those solutions is marine permaculture yeah. so you know this is a film that's going around the world um yep. i haven't seen it in
2: so yeah, how do we incorporate marine into our permaculture? Uh, we flood oh, the cities, Jane, the... and we... Oh, uh... <laughs> uh, go and
1: check it out. It's a, it's a great film. 20... 2040. 2040. It's, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, and there's solutions around food, around uh, energy, you know, all these things that we're talking about. Um, permaculture sort of covers quite a lot of the, these issues. So. To answer your question, I hope hope councils are looking at it. Why not? I mean, I think it's not as uh, wacky or it's not, you know, often I would have been called a greenie, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But um, it's okay permacultures It's not that scary.
2: <laughs> now, Ben, I've been on your Instagram, which I followed, which is how I discovered you, at Ben Shore Permaculture. Tell us about one yeah. of your most recent jobs. From flicking through the photos, it looks like your clients basically said, Ben, we want a really uh, productive backyard. One of the permaculture principles is obtain a yield. So obviously they wanted to uh, grow veggies, chooks, how did you go about it? It looks like you might have even just gone in and knocked everything down.
1: Yeah, well, i say in, in my line of work, I sort of I visit a lot of backyards and front yards. People are growing fruit and veggies on their front yards now, which is a sign of the times. But, um, yeah, whenever I go to uh, a client's house, I I just look at opportunities for, you know, how, how to design it. And this particular house had a huge shed um, which was really taking over the whole backyard. And I I basically said, well, what are you storing there? And they said, oh, a bit of junk and not not too much. And I said, oh, well, I'd take that out and put an orchard in. I'm <laughs> sorry. Wow. It's the, opposite, and the, it? And the And the client uh, looked at me and sort of said, you're serious? And I said, yeah, totally. Um, and within a week, he'd knocked knock the shed down. Yeah. Um, and we designed a, you know, a really... Functional, productive garden, which is going to have probably about forty fruit trees, raised beds. It's still got a lawn. It's got a trampoline. So that's the other thing about permaculture. It's not about ripping everything down, and it has to be an edible plant. It's about functionality. These guys had two kids, yeah, or have two kids. Um, they wanted a fire pit. You know, they still want the lawn to kick the footy, and so it's about being smart with the use of space. So um, yeah, they, they've. You know, he's been in, uh, with COVID and in isolation, he's just uh, basically done it all himself. And they've got a brand-new garden. And on the weekend, we're going to celebrate and have a barbecue.
3: Yeah, fantastic.
1: uh, With a a few people. And, um, yeah, they've totally transformed the space.
3: I'm looking at pictures of it now, mate. It's exactly what you were talking about. The the previous pictures of the before were the big shed, obviously, and then the veggie beds. um, yeah just a little raised veggie beds right in the corner of the back of the property right away from the house as far far away as you could probably get and then uh yeah just a big barren lawn so no i can see with the uh the new set out it's uh very functional you still got the lawn there as you say and and quite a abundance of um, veggie beds that are quite close to the house for him to just walk out with the kids and and pick what's ready to go so it looks great mate
1: yeah thank you and yeah it's been interesting to see like all the neighbours have been pretty nosy they notice the big shed going down and people (laughs) have been uh, you know they'll drop in and say what's going on and then they'll and they've seen the final product well not the final product obviously we've still got to get a lot of plants and fruit trees in but um It's been such an overwhelming positive response from all their friends and family and, yeah, it's not like, oh, why did you put the veggie garden so close to the house? I think veggie gardens are just becoming a lot more normal and actually prior of place, which is exciting.
2: But they also look beautiful these days too. Like, I love the raised beds. I'm a fan of things like wicking beds, which are self-watering. Like, it does look different to just digging a little patch for the garden out the back. They can be quite stylish. They can be and they don't have to be
1: super expensive expensive either i mean you know raised beds with you know really lovely timber can be quite expensive actually but you know my garden i've used bricks and bluestones and and rocks and logs and all sorts of things and you can be quite creative and actually do it on a smaller budget as well to to make it look aesthetically pleasing but also functional so
3: definitely hey i 've got a uh, permaculture idea that i've thought about since I was a kid um, and and it ties in with the council stuff as well, mate, because back when I was little uh there was one person in in the little town of Oyan in the country in northern Victoria, and we used to walk home from school and someone had planted years before. Um, you know, I was I was obviously at primary school, but someone had planted a plum tree uh, in their nature strip instead of whatever the council had put there. And on the way home from school, there was about, you know, 12 of us kids and we used to just pick a plum nearly every single day for as long as it was fruiting. And, and I reckon fruit trees and and things like that for nature strips for the council would be a ripper because people can just come and, you know, pick things as they're walking along.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, there's been a bit of a pushback from some councils on even growing veggies on your nature strip, for example. My, My mum and dad, I helped them set up a huge veggie patch on their nature strip. And basically people can pick what they want when they walk past. It's such a good thing to have in the community but fruit trees I I totally agree I mean in Europe that's just a given in some countries you know they'll have rows of citruses and I've heard Costa talking about it where the same same sort of story you spoke about then it's it's just about having a bit of foresight isn't it
3: yeah yeah the
1: council to go actually instead of just planting uh gum trees all the time maybe we can look at spaces a bit differently and I think now's a good time to maybe be reassessing some of these things.
2: Absolutely, especially after we saw what happened when people realised maybe their food systems were failing if we were importing a lot of stuff from overseas. Hey, Ben, if people are interested in permaculture, what would you recommend they do to get a bit more knowledge? I mean, there's incredible resources out there, but where would you sort of go if not to your website?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know there's some really great people doing things in, in in the space, but... Milkwood Permaculture is a really good resource. Uh, they're down in Tassie now, but that's a good spot to start. And, you know, you can sort of dip your toe in, but even doing a, a PDC, they're called a permaculture design course, It's they take, you know, it's two weeks of your life. They're fantastic. You meet a bunch of really interesting people for a start, but it just gives you a lot of tools to especially take this back to your house and back to your garden. I mean, we we sort of transformed the backyard, but we also renovated our house and learned a lot about, you know, solar energy and water capture. And so going back to what permaculture is, it's not just about growing a few fruit trees and veggies. It's, you're looking at everything that you do every day, where you buy, buy your food from and how that can impact on, on our environment as well. There's so many layers to it, but um probably can't go into it
3: today we we won't have the time (laughs) time for another show pdc well i'll get onto that mate a permaculture design course sounds good
2: and if you want to check out uh, some of ben's project head to instagram at ben permaculture thank you so much for being on the sport of gardening this morning ben we're hoping that once sport is back as it's sort of starting to come back now people are still going to stick in their gardens are you a footy fan what what do you do in the winter are you an, an afl guy
1: yeah i love the footy um I probably shouldn't say, but I'm for the mighty bombers. So um, you
2: can
1: say that 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 here, mate.
2: Every day, (laughs) Dale Demasi, yeah. yeah, Well,
1: (laughs) I'm a bit of an outlier down in Geelong, but um, I suppose I I better say I'm back barracks for the cats if the bombers aren't, aren't <laughs> going
2: to get up um hopefully it's going to be a big year for the bombers i think you boys need to catch up for a beer i reckon, at some yeah, stage yeah I, I do i do
3: have a veggie patch area uh <laughs> i need a little bit of help with so i might get ben around <laughs> and uh pick his brains
1: uh likewise mate uh, do it on be on a, good to catch up and do it on a and, day the bombers uh, beat
3: the cats and uh, we'll have a beer <laughs> mate have a beer let's Ah, up.
2: Oh, you've got to love it. We're matchmaking uh, landscapers and permaculturalists here on the Sport of Gardening. And, of course, if you want to check out Dale's book, it's Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide, Transform Your Garden on Any Budget, available in all good bookstores now. And we are here thanks to Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime, available at Bunnings Warehouse and leading hardware retailers, and Trojan Tools, Tools Built Tough, available at Bunnings Warehouse. We've got a tool review coming up as well on the Sport of gardening.
0: You're listening to the Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal.
2: And we love having your company here on the Sport of Gardening of course, a show that started when there was no sport happening around the country. Dale and I just slipped in and started chatting gardening and hopefully we're going to continue to do that with you. Gardening's not going anywhere, Dale. It's no, so on trend. No, when
3: there's no sport, you create one and now we have. It's here to stay, Jay.
2: Yeah, now you can actually share all of that hard work you might have done in isolation with your friends and your family. Now, we're very lucky to have the support of Cyclone Tools here on The Sport of Gardening. They make premium gardening products and have been the choice of garden landscapers for over 100 years, which means some of those old tools I've got in my shed from Grandpa could very well be the Cyclone Tools. Definitely. And each week, Dale does a tool review for us. And this week, it is the Cyclone 8 inch. GFN HD Bypass Pruner. How did this one go? I wish we could have sent you to Kevin Sheedy's house with the Bypass Pruner, <laughs> help him out with Jeez. the roses. I
3: think <laughs> I need a few pairs. But uh, talking about roses, Jane, this is exactly what I use these on. I went to my mum's property in Bullungarook there and trimmed the roses in her driveway. So Does
2: she trust you to trim the roses? Of course
3: she does, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did a great job, if I do say so myself, but uh, most of the heavy work was done obviously by these heavy-duty bypass pruners, which were fantastic.
2: So what does bypass mean? Like what does that actually explain about a tool? uh, Here we go, put him on the spot.
3: (laughs) It's just talking about the blade, how it passes the under part of the blade. Ah, So so it passes over it and down the side and that's how they cut.
2: They look really good. Now, you have been banging on about grips during these tool reviews. We know the Trojans and some of the screwdriver sets really suited your grip. Yes. Tell me about the bypass pruners. How did they feel in the hand after half an hour of pruning?
3: Well, they're soft, yeah, which is a great thing. Um, there's a lot of pruners out there or, or little hand secateurs that, uh, well, that's basically what we're talking about, hand secateurs. So yeah. there's a lot of them out there and they, they are quite rigid in the grip and um, once you've used them for a long time, your hand can start to ache. So um, these ones are great. They've got a real contoured um, handle on them. Um, so both the, the bit where it sticks into the the gap near your thumb and the rest of your fingers is a part that often gets very sore and that just fits in there perfectly and feels really comfortable. Um, and then the other bit is uh, also very nice where you, your other three or four fingers grab it and, uh, and open and close it. So the grip is always good on these tools and these are no exceptions.
2: There you go. That is the Cyclone 8-inch HD bypass pruner. I reckon these make great gifts as well because if you know someone who is a gardener There's dead set no chance they're not going to want another pair of secateurs because you can never find them when you need them. It does make a great gift as well.
3: It does, and nothing's ever as good as a nice new pair of secateurs where they're super sharp as well. Yeah, and the
2: spring's all nice and Yeah, really easy cutting, (laughs) Well, you can find your Cyclone tools at Bunnings Warehouse and all leading hardware retailers. And Cyclone have been making those premium gardening products for over 100 years Dale it's time for a question from yes. our listeners and thank you to everyone who has been sending through the emails and hitting Dale up on his Instagram so today we have Jenny in Mount Gambia who says she's listening via SENsa Mount Gambia beautiful place mm. in the world have you been there?
3: I don't think I have been to Mount Gambier, no, but I've seen plenty of pictures from Mount Gambier reading. Go to Mount
2: Gambier to take your kids to the sinkhole. Okay. is this stunning garden, which is literally in a sinkhole. Wow. It's a cave, it's a garden, it's...
3: A sinkhole. A sinkhole.
2: It's, <laughs> a, it's like, you know... Oh, it's a 100 foot down wow, and you hey. wind your way into this gorgeous cave, okay. which is also a garden. So the Blue Lake and also, yeah, the sinkhole it, in it Mount stopped Gambier. It stops sinking,
3: hasn't it? You're not taking your kids <laughs> to has. something that's going to keep going.
2: It absolutely has. So I'm sure Jenny would know of that. But Jenny says, Dale, my son is about to move out of home. I'm thinking of buying him a simple toolkit and a couple of tools. What would you recommend for a young guy setting up his first home?
3: Oh okay well um this is the fun part I reckon this the the time where you go into a tool shop and um my mum actually bought me my first set of tools when I decided I was going to do a landscaping apprenticeship yeah okay. I had no money um and she supported the fact that I wanted to do a trade so uh yeah when I took on the course she um took me to Bunnings and uh yeah we spent a bit of coin which was great but yeah my first um tools that I got as a kit I suppose were Uh, You need some pliers, you need a hammer, and it depends on what trade you want to get into as to how far and, and what you sort of get into. But I got
2: the impression she was just sort of wanting, like, you know, if you get, you get to your house, you want to, yeah, you want to put up a picture or, yeah. you
3: know. Well, you're definitely going to need um, some form of drill. Um, so uh, you you can probably just get away with a, a drill, not an impact driver, if you're just going to be doing little odd jobs around the house. So something that you could put driving bits in and drill bits, uh, and then you're going to be able to... Pretty much hang whatever you need um, and fix things as well. So, uh, a hammer as well, in case you're using um, nails, obviously, or um, manipulating something that's a little stiff and needs a little tap. Yeah. yeah. Um, and pliers are really handy as well around the house or a shifter as well. So, you can. Um, get onto something that's not um, doing the right thing, and 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 get it off.
2: Well, I reckon that's a pretty good start, really. So yep. we're looking at a drill, we're looking at some basic tools, and can we throw in a screwdriver set? I think yeah, Jenny needs throw in to get some, that.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> a screwdriver set. And while we're going at it, we might as well do a saw of some sort as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, then you, then you're pretty sorted. Then.
2: Well, Jenny, hopefully that will mean that your son doesn't actually come back and borrow your tools, because <laughs> we all know what happens when you move out of home and you borrow stuff. It never boomerangs. And it's does an
3: obsession it. that continues for the rest <laughs> of your life as well. I can tell you, I can't go to Bunnings without looking for something I don't own and then buying something.
2: Well, we highly recommend you, Jenny and Mount Gambier, actually check out the Cyclone and the Trojan tools as well. Of course, available at Bunnings. And if you have a question for Dalcy, it could be something random like that. It doesn't yeah. have to be. What tree do I have to plant? We have had a lot of lemon tree questions. We still, have, yeah. yeah. But uh, we'll we'll leave them to the lemon <laughs> experts for a moment. <laughs> Fertilising is our tip from a couple of weeks ago. But you can ask Dale a question via feedback at sportofgardening.com.au. You can also jump online and ask Dale a question via his Instagram account at D. Dale, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thanks, Jane.
3: And as always, I want to remind people that they can not only uh, write in with their questions, but they could write in and give me a tip as well, something that they've been doing that they think is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and if you've got a business and you're in the gardening industry, like some of the fantastic guests we've had in the last few weeks, let us know that you exist. Perhaps we can get you on the show. Feedback at thesportofgardening.com.au is our email address. And of course, we've been doing it all thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snow. Zoe Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. And if you would like to get Dale's book, head into any great bookstore. It's Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide. Transform your garden on any budget. Thanks, Dale. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, Jane. You're listening
0: to the sport of gardening for cyclone tools built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader.
2: This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806.